inside In the darkness is the light Out of the shadows of my life In the darkness is the light Welcome once again to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And tonight we have a very special episode. We are very pleased to be talking to Mr. John Wiseman, who has worked on many episodes of So Weird, as well as several other television series. Is also well known for his baseball website, Dodger Thoughts. And we are so pleased that you could be with us here tonight, John. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Um, I love that people still care about the show. Um, and I, with a generation of, uh, I now work at Showtime, and uh, there's a generation of people uh, I was pleased to see have heard of the show. It used to be like the younger people I worked with weren't in the sweet spot for the show because um, they were just a little too old for it and yet not ready to, you know, it just didn't work. But like now I'm with, I'm working with people who actually watch the show as kids. So it's cool. That is cool. But I do feel, but I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we want to take this list of questions from, we'll alternate like we did last time. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I guess I'll start. Um, and I have the general starter question here. How did you become involved in writing for television? And more specifically, how did you come to so weird later on? Um, well, the first question is, um, I actually grew up in Los Angeles, but didn't grow up in a Hollywood family. And it never occurred to me to write for TV, even though I lived here. And weirdly, it wasn't until I was in graduate school in Washington, D.C. And um, I was getting a master's in English, but I took a um, screenwriting elective just for fun. And I got hooked on screenwriting there. And so I basically led to me moving back to Los Angeles and uh, at age 25 and pursuing writing for TV then. And I would say probably about three years later, three or four years after that, um, I'd written a Buffy spec script that had, that had came out really well, um, I think. It was probably my best spec. And um, long story short, John Cooksey saw it and uh, we met and he, uh, he was so great. And I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but um, the thing about John is you could pitch him an idea. A lot of these meetings that you would go to, you would pitch ideas for the show and they would say yes or no. And then that, that would be the end of the conversation. If you didn't have the perfect idea, didn't matter how good a writer you were, um, especially starting out your career like I was, you're out the door. But with John, he was like, well, that idea is not quite right, but let's, you know, let's see what we can work with from it. And uh, he eventually gave me a script, and that led to ultimately five, five or six scripts uh, over the first two years or so. Weird. So it was, it was really about one of the best experiences I had in TV. I'm curious, what was the Buffy spec script about? Uh, the Buffy spec script was about a strain of vampires that could be out in daylight. Okay. So I know we um, I, I know we have a couple of fans of that show that listen to us. So <laughs> yeah, um, so I, it was uh, it was I think I'm really proud of that script, even though it never got produced. So mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not going to be too humble about it, even though it never got produced. <laughs> um, but it was cool because I think it was a good. I think it really worked within the universe of Buffy. And I, this was written during the Spike Drusilla era of Buck, of Buffy. And uh, it also, it had like a good psychological subplot because it was basically like Buffy now had to be on duty 24 hours a day. 
and you could see the strain, the, the toll it was taking on her. Um, so I was really happy with how it came out. And uh, Fee uh, being kind of, you know, a younger version in a way of Buffy, I think it sort of, uh, I think it sort of worked for John. Sounds uh, like it would have been a good uh, episode. That, that I could write to that sensibility. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a different world. But yeah, I think that was just sort of like it had the right tone, I think. Mm-hmm. So for you, what was the best parts of writing for So Weird? Uh, well, that I got to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think uh, I really liked that the show wasn't a throwaway show. It wasn't just Monster of the Week. It was a show, again, I, I think it's, I think an audience in this era would kind of take it for granted. But in that era, in late 90s, it was a big deal to have um, a, t- a show for not just teenagers, but young teenagers um, have be able to be so, take things so seriously and have some sort of dark undertones to it. Um, and the way that John and Allie sort of uh, developed the characters over the course of time, it really allowed you to get into some really emotional issues. And so that I, I never felt like I was writing down to an audience. I never felt like I had to, and never, they never wanted me to. I felt that even though my dream had been to write for primetime TV for grownups, I felt like this was a really good um, place for me to be at that time. So just, I, I felt lucky to be writing for that show. I love that because that's one of my favorite things about the show is that I watched it as a six-year-old and I was a serious kid and I love that it never talked down to me. So thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you could see that from early on. I think, uh, my first episode was memory, which I think was third or fourth one to air. And the show hadn't even really gotten deep into its mythology yet, but even that show was sort of like, you could see like the interaction between, um, the kids. It wasn't, it wasn't like a typical Disney channel, you know, set up joke, set up joke. It was like, you know, you could already see the impatience with each other and the wondering what's really going on here. And I thought, um, I mean, I thought we got off to a good start pretty quickly with that. That would be a good segue into your next question here, Kat. (laughs) So about that, at the time of writing Memory, now we know that there was a whole story arc planned around the aliens, but at the time of writing, how much of that story arc was planned? Well, John would have known way more than I did. So in other words, um, I think a lot of it, I think a lot more was planned than I knew about writing that episode. Um, so for me, it was mostly, it was pretty straightforward, right? You know, he, he gave me some of the parameters for that story and I sort of filled in within those parameters um, without really having much of a big picture understanding of what was going to happen. Do you remember um, what those parameters were? Um, well, n- nothing that you wouldn't be able to ski from the show itself. You know, okay. it was basically um, this mystery about, I think I, I can't, I think I might've come up with the setting, but it was basically pick a, it was some sort of story where uh, there was a town, they were arriving at a town like post visitation or something. I forget exactly. But um, in other words, I, I think, the idea that the show had to get from A to B plot wise was something that John had set up. But I think the mechanics of 
making that happen was I, I had the freedom to tr- uh, try to come up with. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, Kat asked you what uh, was the best part of writing for So Weird. So I was wondering if there were any things that um, were particularly challenging for you to write, any particular scenes in your episodes or um, maybe a concept that you're writing about that required more extensive research? Um, I had a lot of trouble wrapping my head around the Fibonacci sequence and how that played into how that went beyond just being a math thing mm-hmm. um, into something that like, you know, the idea that it like reoccurs in nature and it could have a significance beyond just being something on paper. Um, mm-hmm. It was hard for me to turn that into a uh, plot <laughs> basically. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. I think, um, every script had its own challenges, I think. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's what's hard about it is trying to, and what's cool about it at the same time is trying to work through it all. Um, I think, but for example, that was the one that really made me stumble. There were like for the one with um, uh, the cloning episode, it's not like I had a real handle on the sciences of cloning. I had a couple of friends who were math, who were masters or PhD students in biology. So I kind of leaned on them for some of the information I needed. And um, in fact, I asked them like, what's a disease? What would be a disease that someone could have that might cause them to, you know, whatever, to need to, to need something to happen to save them or to, anyway, we came up with hunting. I came up with Huntington's disease basically on their recommendation, on my friend's recommendation. Um, But I never, I don't think I struggled with the idea of how just to storyboard that that's not the right word, but how to just pl- plot that out. But with the, with Fibonacci, I was just like, I was really, I mean, to this day, I don't really, I don't yeah. think my brain works that way to really <laughs> understand. Your episode was the first time I've ever heard about anything related to the Fibonacci sequence and the spiral, the, uh, the Nautilus shell. Yeah. Same and, with me. Uh, I just, you <laughs> know, said, I went to the bookstore and I saw Dan Brown's book origin and on the cover is the Nautilus shell, and it's about, I guess, the origins of humanity and uh, what happens when we die, I believe. So I just thought it was really interesting that <laughs> that just automatically made me remember your episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully it worked. And, you know, obviously, uh, John was the one who would story edit my scripts, and he, you know, whenever I was, you know, he molded the show into what he, he and Allie wanted it to be, and... Uh, and, you know, he could get you through a tough spot. He could help you get through a tough spot. Um, so I have to, I mean, I obviously didn't do this by any stretch on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully, hopefully it came out all right. <laughs> it came out great. When I got to college in my math course, we did the Fibonacci sequence. And I got super excited because it made me think of strange geometry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that episode is pretty well regarded. So you did good. Thanks. Okay. Um, so my first question, which you kind of already answered, was how was it working with John Cooksey and Allie Marie Matheson? Uh, my other question was, did you ever meet Henry Winkler? No. <laughs> no, what's funny, though, is that Henry's stepson was in that screenwriting class at, at Georgetown. Oh. Uh, coincidentally, um, J- 
Jed Weitzman. I think he's an exec out here now. Um, but uh, no, I've never met Henry Winkler. I, he's supposed to be the nicest person in show business, so I'm sorry for not having met him. But um, I haven't. I mean, I I don't think he had any. He certainly didn't have any involvement on my level after the pilot. I mean, I think he was in. I mean, I don't know what his role was on the show, but it wasn't like a day to day kind of role working with me. Maybe it would have been working with John and Allie. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, just stepping outside of So Weird, I'm a little curious. You've done a lot of work in animation, children's shows, cartoons, and things of that nature. Um, and first off, I'm interested in what are the differences in writing for live action versus writing for animation? And being a kind of a big nerdy person, I'm curious about the work you did on the Starship Troopers cartoon and more recently on Young Justice, which is a show I love. Yeah, um, well, the fundamental uh, enormous difference between writing for the two is that with animation, you really direct on the page. So you your stage directions have to have every shot plotted out. Um, because you're literally giving instructions to the animators of how to conceive the scene. Um, it's not that the show doesn't have a director, but um, a lot of, in a live action show, a director can sort of figure that out and will figure that stuff out um, after the script is completed. But with animation, it's all, you know, the voices are being recorded early on that it's being sent out um, to be animated. So everything has to kind of be in place. And so that was a huge, uh, that was a huge adjustment to try to realize how precise you have to be. You have to call out every camera angle in a live, in an animation uh, script in a live action sh show. They don't want you to do that at all. Uh, they want a minimum of stage directions, just enough to get you through so that they have the basic idea of what's going on. Um, I, I tend to, I'm not a director innately, so uh, I tend to like the live action format more. I'm more interested in what the people are saying, or I guess on some level thinking than uh, how, where the, what angle the camera is going to take. But it can be fun to kind of try to see if you can come up with something, come up with an angle that then gets played out in the show and, and ends up being kind of cool in an animated show. Um, and then, uh, well, I, I mean, if you've read my resume, you'll notice that the executive producer on a lot of the sh animated shows I work for has the same last name as I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's my brother, Greg, and he's really a career, uh, just a great, uh, leader in that field, having, you know, done shows like Gargoyles, yeah. and, um, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man and, uh, all, all, a bunch of other stuff. And I'm young justice being the one that's coming back now. And, yeah. um, so, I mean, it's, I love working with him. I, he wouldn't give me my first job. I had to get my first job on my own. So my first animation job was on, um, well, actually my second one was on Hercules, the Disney, uh, animated cartoon based on the movie. Right. Uh, I had a job before that. Disney was doing 101 Dalmatians as, um, kind of a more Disney junior style show. Um, and I wrote something for that, but it didn't end up being produced, but technically it was my first job. Um, but my first produced animated script was on Hercules. And then um, I think I got to work with Greg on, uh, I think I co-wrote a men in black, a half hour script with him. 
and then Max Steele was the first show where I got to sort of write on my own with him as with him as my boss. And um, he's so smart. Um, and his show, I mean, the kind of like the kind of thing I was talking about with John Cooksey. I mean, he, he, his shows are so thoughtful and so complex uh, from a character standpoint that it's, it's a pleasure to write for them. Um, mm. And I would have been happy to continue to writing on Young Justice and fully intended to, but um, which I wrote about, I wrote for the first two seasons of Young Justice. And then um, Warner Brothers sort of out of nowhere invoked this no nepotism clause. So even though I had hmm. previously worked for Greg in a number of circumstances and, um, you know, had earned those jobs legitimately uh, because like I said, I had built my career up before I started working for him. Um, they didn't, they just wouldn't grandfather me at all. And it was really frustrating because um, I'd really love to be a part of the upcoming season of Young Justice. But yeah, I was, right I was, now. I was going to ask if you had any involvement with the new season. That's disappointing. No, that's, that's weird. That they would the do prep, that. I literally did. Uh, I rewatched the first two seasons, which, you know, it's not a chore, but um, <laughs> I rewatched all the episodes and I did, we went to, did all the research we had, you know, a new vibe was kind of being developed. And then literally the week before our first uh, story meeting, I was told, actually it might've been the night before, but shortly before I was told not to come. <laughs> so it was, it was a b bummer. <laughs> That's say really least. weird. Um, but so it goes, they'll, they'll, the show will be great even without my lowly presence. <laughs> and for the record, I love gargoyles as well. So, yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, gargoyles is the one that really is sort of still, I think, preeminent for well, I mean, so many reasons. Just today, they were talking about how supposedly Jordan Peele wants to make a live action gargoyles movie for Disney. Okay, so. that's what I, I was wondering. I heard, I saw stuff on Twitter today and, uh, about Jordan Peele and Gargoyles, and I, didn't, I couldn't find the article that it was linked to. Was it an article or was it a tweet? Uh, so It was an article, and supposedly he pitched the idea to Disney, and Disney isn't sure if they want to do it, which is absurd to me. I mean, the guy just won an Oscar. Let him do whatever you want. You know, you're Disney. You're the biggest film company in the world. But um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, that show is – I know uh, in some level people are sick of revivals, but that show is overdue for uh, coming back. I just hope Greg gets to be – part of it oh yes i definitely agree with that so that was off topic though <laughs> uh, yeah so getting back to so weird i've noticed getting back that to so weird <laughs> like three out of four of the episodes that you're part of were more sci-fi based so which do you personally prefer writing for the sci-fi based phenomena or the more supernatural based episodes hmm. i well i guess i didn't think of it in those terms um so I'm not sure if I have a preference. Um, I, I, I think I'd, I mean, my point was, could I see where the character's journey was, what their character's journey was, and whether whatever milieu or uh, world it was set in, I felt like, I feel like I could work within that world, same as if it had been, you know, if it were a cop show or a, or a medical drama or something. I don't, I feel pretty comfortable going from one place to another. Um, I mean, honestly, the one, the one ep the episode that was in my wheelhouse was uh, the softball game episode for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess you would say that was more of a 
what supernatural one, but that's not the reason why I was had a comfort zone with that one. Uh, it was because I kind of knew what I was doing. Uh, I, I had a lot of ideas to bring to that one, but I, I mean, I kind of loved that with so weird, you could do different types of episodes basically. And not just mine, but just, you know, watching the others, uh, uh, whether it was, for example, like, um, I won't remember the title, but like the Bigfoot episode, um, mm-hmm. or something that just took you out to a different place and sort of reimagined legends or whatever. Um, I, I, I think that's what was one of the strengths of the show. We interviewed Dave Squatch Ward and one of the questions we asked him, I'll ask you now, I think it should become one of our traditions. Uh, <laughs> have you ever experienced anything paranormal? And if not, what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if this counts. Uh, I can remember, well, I'm sure this doesn't count, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. But uh, as a, one of my earliest memories at age three was uh, spending a night at my grandparents' apartment and absolutely being convinced there was a ghost there. <laughs> absolutely being convinced to the point where my parents had to come out at midnight and pick me up. Um, <laughs> Now that's a three-year-old, so I uh, don't know if that qualifies as like really having experienced something, but it's probably as close as I can get. I don't think I'm someone who, I mean, that hasn't been sort of my re- my daily life kind of thing where I'm like kind of feeling like there's something else happening around me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think that may be it. Um I don't deny that. I mean, there weird stuff happens, <laughs> you know, but, and often I'll think the fates are against me or something. But I don't think that's really what the, in the spirit of your question. I don't think that's it. All right. Um, my next question is, were any good relationships formed during the run of the show? Well, I mean, I really valued the relationship with John. You know, I was in Los Angeles and the show was shot in Vancouver. I went there once. Uh, I saw my first episode being filmed and I, I mean, I paid my way to do it just because it was such a thrill for me. Um, but well, and then the other relationship was formed was, and I, whenever I did, I did that chat with you guys, um, mm-hmm. a couple of years back on online, I think. Yeah. Um, so I mean, my first date with my wife was at the so weird premiere party. So I guess that relationship counts Aww. as a good Aww. one being formed. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so we're coming up on 20 years on that next January. We'll be yeah. uh, 20th, I'm coming up 20th anniversary of our first date. So um, and at that, there should be some sort of so weird anniversary celebration for that. There should be. <laughs> there should be. I concur. And that's, that's so sweet. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, also I was pretty marooned down in Los Angeles. Uh, John had been in Los Angeles. John and Allie had been in LA basically, I think doing their careers and, uh, when they got hired to do so weird, they went up to Vancouver and not, you know, 20 odd years ago and they never left. So, uh, yeah, I didn't have a tremendous amount of interaction. It was nice to meet the cast when I was up there. I met everyone except Mackenzie. Um, but, um, that was, and I saw them at the premiere party and then that was literally it. That was the last time I saw anybody. Okay. Do we want to introduce some questions from our listeners here? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is from Emily, not Emily, a different Emily on YouTube. Which is, what do you think became of the characters after the show ended? Uh, um, 
I wish I had thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, you know, the thing about the show is I kind of dropped out of the show for, for uh, during season three for what, for reasons that may be apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, my loyalty was pretty strong to the original group. And uh, um, I, I don't mean that personally against the new people. I'm just saying like the show for me was really kind of the first two seasons and, you know, sort of powerful stuff with uh, Fee and her father that we reached at the end of that time. And um, so I don't know what happened. I definitely imagine that a scenario where I like to think she gets the answers she's looking for and moves into adulthood with in some level of peace. I, I guess if you ask me that, if I think about that question, I don't think of Fee as someone who's uh, 35 years old or whatever, and still searching for answers, which is not to say she wouldn't have interest in paranormal things, but I, I like to think that she, through her determination and through her brilliance, frankly, uh, gets to the place she needs to be at um, mentally and emotionally. Um, and uh, so I have, I guess I, if, if this answers your question, I have sort of an optimistic view of what happens to them. Uh, at the end of the day. And then um, Molly uh, Mackenzie could be, you know, maybe she's like Patty Smith or something. She's like (laughs) out there at age, uh, I don't know, age 60 or 70 uh, sort of giving command performances (laughs) for people. Sort of an Um, elder pop statesman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, but it's, I feel good about where I feel good about those characters and where they go. I don't, I don't see a tragic situation for them. Oh, good. So earlier I asked you a little bit about the writing for memory. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the writing process behind strange geometry? Because that episode is really such a pivotal moment in the overarching arc of so weird. Were you given the idea of that big Rick reveal about him being into the paranormal? How much input did you have into that big dramatic ending? Yeah, that would have come from John. Uh, again, that's like a, you need to. That's the kind of thing where you need to get to that point. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think I had. I that may have been the hardest episode for me to write because it was. That was a hard. It was hard to just sort of hammer out how we were going to get there. Um, is that the episode where? We introduced Papa Bear. Yes. Okay. So that was a that was um, stuff like that. <laughs> stuff like that comes pretty well to me. Um, like the sort of interpersonal stuff, the stuff that you that builds to where you got. I mean, we got there. Um, Lord, I mean, we got there. But that's part where I, I think I pro- I think I had to really do a lot of revising to try to hit those to hit that stuff up um it in the right way and because and to make it because you had to make it believable and you had to make it uh fantastic not in the greatness sense but in the sort of supernatural sense and um i had trouble among the things i had trouble with during the writing of the script was sort of visualizing even after we came up with kind of what the solution was to get to the end i had I had trouble visualizing in the, what 
how they were going to pull this off from like a set design standpoint. I think they did a great job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't watched the episode recently. I, don't, I hope it still holds up today, but I remember thinking at the time they did a great job with the visuals of that. Um, but in writing, I was like, are, are we pulling this off? You know, because if it did look bad, I think that would have like made, it would have deflated the, the drama of it all. Um, but yeah, that was a hard process. Um, I'm glad I was glad to get through it and I was pleased with how it came out, but um, I'm no magician. So that was a hard, that was a hard script to write. Well, you did a phenomenal job with it. It's Thanks. one of the episodes that I've always remembered when it first came out. It gave me nightmares with that newsreel scene. And <laughs> yeah. Bill just holds up so well. Yeah, they did a good job. That's the thing. They made, I mean, they made things, they made difficult things work visually on that show. That, Considering the budget that they must have had to work with, um, I think it's pretty impressive. And in the era they were working in, too. A few minutes ago, you mentioned the season three that aired. So I was wondering, um, as fans, we know that the season three that aired wasn't the one that was planned. Did you pitch any ideas for the original season three? Okay, so my recollection of what happened is basically one day I, I woke up figuratively speaking, to the news that John and Allie weren't going to be on the show anymore. And that was before we got to the point of talking about episode, which episodes I would be doing. So no, I didn't pitch any ideas for them. Okay. I then met with the new producers, um, got the lowdown on uh, Alex, I guess, and uh, had, a, had a very friendly, nice meeting with them. Again, none of this is personal. None of, none of this is personal. It was just, I pitched some ideas. Um, they weren't flying. Um, the response I got was more discouraging than I would get for John. And you have to understand, I have to explain to you something about my personality, which is um, I don't, or at least in that time, I tended to think the grass was greener at other places. And so I mistakenly, I would say, kind of withdrew from So Weird um, and tried to, and basically tried to hook up with another show. I remember there's a show called The Jersey mm-hmm. um, on Disney Channel that I had a couple meetings with and I felt pretty confident at the time that I could get a script or two with them. And uh, that didn't pan out. And then I, I found myself sort of out of work from either show. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a very smart move on my part. Um, wasn't the first time I did something like that. And it wasn't the last time I did something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't connecting with the show with the new show um, in season three, the way I had with the first two years. Um, you weren't the only and, one. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. I mean, I definitely take, I take responsibility for it. You know, um, I de- I will say once John and Allie were gone, it, it, it kind of let the air out of the balloon a little bit for me, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't, step up and make it work with 
whoever becomes in charge, especially because it wasn't like they were tyrants or anything. Um, I just, I don't know if they were right or wrong in what they did. Like I said, I never really ended up watching season three. Um, but um, I know there was the directive to make the show lighter. Um, and that was sort of, to me, unnecessary and, and kind of antithetical to what defined the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it wasn't like, I don't know if that there was no solution to that problem, or at least as far as my role on the show. Um, so it's just kind of, kind of a combination of things, but um, yeah, I just, it just didn't happen. Just couldn't, couldn't get one, couldn't connect okay. on stories for them. I understand. I think we all do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're parroting a lot of thoughts we've mentioned on this show. Um, so our oh, next, yeah. yeah. So our next group of questions here is from a listener on YouTube by the name of Gino, and you sort of answered the first one, which was uh, the episode "Singularity" involves the game of baseball. And was this a reference to your work for the Dodgers? Well, it predates that. Yeah, uh, by a lot. But um, obviously, I had the lifelong interest in sports and baseball and John specifically, he knew he wanted to do a sports episode. And so he, he, he threw that to me and said, what can you do? Um, and I came up with, I think it was his idea. I'm pretty sure it was his idea to have all the different balls, all the different types of balls. I think he had this, I could be remembering this wrong. I think he had this idea early on of this visual of all those balls kind of crashing down. Um, but again, how do you get there? And uh, that scene, for example, well, the opening scene of the episode, which takes place at a, unfortunately it was raining while they were filming it, (laughs) but um, it takes place in a softball game. And there's this play, um, if, I don't know if you remember it, because it's the early opening scene of the show, but it was, um, there's a play where the, the runner on third and the guy and I think Jack holding the ball at first base, both real, they're both standing uh, geometrically the same distance from home plate, And they both realize they have to race toward home plate at the same time. And they meet there at the exact same moment. That play I ripped directly off a play. I saw while I was covering a high school playoff game mm-hmm. in Palo Alto, that exact thing that, that literally is how that game ended a playoff game, uh, the mm-hmm. same thing. And I wrote that up and John thought it was brilliant relatively speaking. And I was like, so, and I took all the credit for it, even though, and then, and then later I told him, well, this, I didn't exactly make it up. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, uh, I love, I loved writing that episode and I felt I had a real feel for uh, Mad Max in that episode. Um, and uh, the way it would be for some, for, you know, a family where like you're the kid who doesn't, who's not into sports at all, but you sort of get, you're forced to be uh, caught up in that uh, world temporarily. And uh, I liked sort of, I just, yeah. And most, but most of all, I like the emotional through line of that episode. I think, I mean, part of the reason I like sports and particularly baseball so much is because I think the actual real life sport gives you that kind of emotional story. I mean, you baseball to me is just like, a never ending movie with all these different characters coming in and out. It's just cast changes year after year, but it's, it's baseball is very cinematic to me. And so I'm always, I always was eager to sort of see if I could 
move, you know, apply that to any creative writing I did. Well, and Gina would also like to know, do you enjoy sports writing or television writing more? Uh, well, I like sports writing cause I, a lot because of what I just said and because I, it's easier for me to be, to be employed doing it. <laughs> um, I think if I, I think my dream career still would have been in TV writing. Um, but that I, to, to use a sports analogy, I was like, um, a fringe player who couldn't break through and, and like sort of stay in the major leagues. I really just like, for whatever reason, I couldn't, I, I, you know, I would interview for and pitch for primetime shows and I couldn't break through. And I finally, um, I got dropped by my agent in, uh, I think the end of 2000 and, uh, spend another year trying to get a new agent and um, finally just um, took a break from that search and never really went back to it. It was, it's, I mean, writing and entertainment has so much rejection involved. I mean, obviously there are some people who manage to bypass that completely and more power to them. But um, for someone at my level, um, it was, you know, God, it was great when it happened, when things were happening, but when you'd go through these stretches where it wasn't happening, it was, it was really hard on me. I, I and really affected my self-confidence. I was unemployed when I got married. Um, it's not necessarily, I mean, I was fine to be, I was fine, except you don't, you start to think, well, should you really be unemployed now? <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. um, uh, so it's just, I'd, I'd, I'd love to, and like I said before, I, I would have loved to have been writing for Young Justice, but I haven't been actively in the game of TV writing for a few years, for several years now, really. Um, and I kind of think now at my age, it's a little hard for me to consider trying to go back. I mean, you never say never, but um, I think my path, I've written two books now, two nonfiction books, and my path, if I ever were trying to pursue that, would be to try to write something that then could be adapted either by myself or someone else, but get some, get a book published and then get it adapted because I don't think anyone's going to be looking right now for a 50 year old writer with my credits to, you know, start staffing on their show or something. Uh, and I don't mean that to sound depressed. I hope that didn't come across <laughs> as depressed. I'm quite. I'm very good with where my life has gone in the past uh, uh, 20 years since that so weird party. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I love writing for TV and would still do it at the, at the drop of a hat if it were feasible. Well, and that leads into Gino's last question, which is if a so weird reboot ever came to fruition, would you be interested in working on that? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent for sure. I'd love to, I'd love to see it happen. I mean, I don't know. So when, let me ask you guys this, when you would if you fantasize about something like that, is that with like Fee as the mother or is that like you're, you're getting a new 13 year old Fee and starting and telling the stories again from her perspective? Well, when we've talked about it, it's usually been like, so weird the next generation. So I think that's sort of the idea we've, would prefer to see mm -hmm. in, in the discussions we've had about that. Yeah, I definitely love all the original casts. Um, so I definitely want, you know, not really new characters or maybe a few but to see fee yeah. and to see you know molly again 
That would be great. The big thing for me is seeing Fee finish her journey. Yeah. But that's the thing. So if you want to see that, you sort of got to go back and let, do you think either you got to go back to have a new actress playing her at 13 or you got to say, oh, her journey's been going on for 20 years, which is interesting, but uh, pretty, pretty uh, intimidating. I mean, my God. Maybe they could do an animated series. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And they could use Kara for the voice. (laughs) That would be awesome. Well, and then the funny thing, of course, is that, you know, I don't think this is actually happening, but, you know, they talked about this Mad About You revival. Right. uh, Which has you wondering uh, what uh, Kara's character, you know, what would Kara end up having a role in that show somehow, which would have been really cool. Well, the episode she was on, I believe the adult version of her character was played by Jean Garofalo, if I remember correctly. So. Oh, was it? I believe so. Yeah. Interesting. Well. Still possibilities there. You never know. Yeah. Right. So do you have any funny stories about what went on behind the scenes in the writing process of So Weird? Uh, Well, yeah. If me sitting, banging my head against the wall, trying to figure out how to solve that problem in my, while in my bachelor apartment is funny. That's probably the most. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The, uh, I do remember I had this joke in the baseball script um that was a mark mcguire sammy sosa joke because at the time of the script those they were you know breaking all these home pursuing all the home run records and i had this joke about them and john cut it i was like how could you cut that joke it was so good he's like it's um gonna be dated uh by the time you know x amount of months or years go by i'm like no this joke is timeless (laughs) <laughs> this, joke, this is the perfect joke. This joke will last longer than this show will. It's the joke for all eternity. And he was right, by the way. It was, the joke would have been dead in like uh, within like eighteen months, probably. <laughs> so um, it gives it makes me laugh uh, thinking about that. I mean, honestly, I think I was um, there's some sort of inside jokes. I name characters after friends, you know, for example, and I. Um, I mean, little stuff that no one else would care about. I think my really was ha- I really was happy with Papa Bear for some reason. I, I can't really explain why I loved that so much. Um, partly, actually, John loved it too. So maybe that part of the reason I loved it is because John loved it, and it was always cool to get his uh, approval on something. Um, but I just everything from like the moment I came up with. Uh, their exchange where uh, she goes, Hey, he goes me cubs and she goes, Hey, Papa bear. And the way that played out into something that like just really spoke to their relationship just through like those two tiny lines of dialogue. Um, I mean, again, this is pretty far afield from what your question was, but that I really get a mm-hmm. kick out of remembering that. That's really cool to know that you were behind Papa bear. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't take credit for much in the way of creating characters per se on that show, but I, 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 f- I feel good about my contribution there. I mean, I guess I had, I, I guess I helped launch Kevin Zeger's career. <laughs> <laughs> In, indirectly. <laughs> okay. Well, this next question is from another listener of ours, Corey, and it's very simple. What's your favorite episode of So Weird and Why? <sighs> um, 
Well, the, the singularity has a special feeling for me, but I don't know if that would be, you know, it's not a pivotal episode in the show per se. So maybe it's, um, maybe it's strange geometry just because that was, uh, that was a big deal. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I'm only picking my episodes too. You know, there are better episodes out there that I could pick, but I'm not going to pick theirs. <laughs> um, so sorry to my colleagues who many of whom have gone on to fantastic careers uh, uh, after so weird. Um, I'm not picking the best episode. I'm just picking what my favorite was. I'll, I'll go with strange geometry. Oh, and then um, Le Vegetable. That's another moment that I really like. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for what that's worth. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say strange geometry. Um, and Corey would also like to know, at the time when you were working on So Weird, did you ever think 20 years later it would still have a fan base that we would still be talking about the show all this time later? Well, it never occurred to me um, at the time. Again, so you're giving me credit for thinking about a lot of things like, like it wasn't a yes or a no. It's just like I'm, I just not wasn't thinking that far ahead about a lot of stuff. Um, also, this was a world where, um, I mean, the internet was brand new, brand new at this time. Um, I, I probably got my, you know, I got my introduced to AOL in like 1993, I think, or 94. Did you get um, one of the little discs in the mail? Of course. Well, I mean, those were everywhere. I don't, I don't know how. I mean, those were literally every like you'd see them at supermarkets. There'd yeah. be stacks of them. Um, and I had a dial-up connection. And uh, but you know, I did. I wrote. Did you guys ever do the so weird online stuff? Uh, Unfortunately, no, I didn't. I'm so sad. I missed out on that. I well, have a little bit of memories of it. That's a long time ago now, but I vaguely remember visiting the website. So I did, have... but only for season three, and I hated it. <laughs> so uh, I don't know about season three, but for seasons one and two, I wrote the online stuff. Um, oh, cool. And, uh, but it was like, you have to, I couldn't even see what I was writing. Like I would write these little scripts. They'd be, I don't know. I think they were like five pages or six pages per, uh, you would, now you would call it a webisode, but um, they would get animated computer animated online in the most, in, in very simplistic ways. And I, you know, I had a dial-up connection to AOL. I, I couldn't load the final product onto my <laughs> computer, so I never really saw it. Um, but it was just this, uh, it was basically this So V character. Um, yes, I've seen like screen captures of it online. That all got yeah, so it was, down when they redid the website for season three. Yeah, it's all gone. It's just, I'm sure it's gone forever. Um, but it was like sort of like the story in the in the world that fee was investigating it was just there the reason for these things was to um they were sort of stealth teasers to watch new episodes um so they're always like create creating some mystery about what was happening behind the scenes and then leaving a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end and uh yeah i mean just getting back to this whole idea of like what would be happening. The internet has opened up so much of this sort of fan stuff that, you know, and made it into such a community experience. I was a, just an enormous TV fan dating back to childhood, but, but the way I worshiped shows 
was basically, you know, I'd record them on my, v- on my VCR and rewatch them. And it was a completely solitary experience, or I might call my brother and talk about them. But there was no, there was no community, not even in 19, there were chat rooms, I guess, but it wasn't like a chat room was sort of some sort of like global phenomenon, you know, that it enabled something like that. It was just like, literally, you might even be with, you know, maybe there'd be like 10 people who had your same interest or something. Um, so I just got, I mean, I had no idea what the internet was going to be even then at that point, I don't think. Um, I mean, there was no Google. There was no, uh, I don't think, no Yahoo, no, no you know, uh, I think GeoCities was the popular way to have a, your own personal website. <laughs> which is, I mean, people rightfully mock that today. The late lamented um, GeoCities. Yeah. So, or Alta, uh, what, Alta Vista? I'm, I'm trying to think of these. I mean, these are all blurs from the past but it just i can't even describe to someone who is i guess under the age of 30 uh or 25 for sure what it was like 20 years ago it just you it's such a i mean for all the faults that we have in our social media today it was it's just such a richer area for richer era for community today so no no i had no idea i'm glad <laughs> i'm glad the show especially because it's amazing because the show doesn't because the show i don't doesn't seem to be available anywhere. So it's amazing to me that yeah. anyone still talks about it, even whether they thought it was great or not. Well, um, the next question Corey has uh, is, do you have a favorite song from So Weird? I'm blanking on everything but In the Darkness right now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that one's a great one, too. Well, I mean, that's like, the, that's like the definitive one, right? Can you give me some choices? Um, the River, Love is Broken. Rebecca. Yeah, The Rock. These are ones we like. Maybe mm-hmm. Rebecca. But I, I'll, I'll, go in, I'll go within the darkness. That's, a, like, that's the show. Mm-hmm. You know, It's not a clever pick, but it's like to me, it's definitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lastly, Corey would like to know, what is your favorite project out of everything you've worked on? Um, I think so weird. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, don't feel pressure to pick so weird just because <laughs> well, no, honestly, that's the topic I, of this I podcast. To give it serious, I wanted to give it thought just to make sure. Um, I wasn't. Just, I didn't want to do a throwaway answer, but honestly, yeah, I think it was this. Aww. Very cool. Um, Jessica Williams. I met Jessica Williams yeah. uh, while working at Showtime. And again, this goes back to your earlier thing about people still loving the show. It's like... Um, she was a big so weird fan and so just to be able to like find someone who in person who was that excited to meet me only because i wrote like she was excited to meet me i mean i don't know if she was really excited to meet me but she was like genuine her genuinely enthusiastic to talk about so weird um like that's that's cool that a show for young kids could still have that kind of pull today um, especially when it's kind of been relegated to obscurity. I think it's cool. Okay. And um, this is from Facebook from Lauren. Uh, she asks, if you haven't already answered this, uh, she said, can you recall your creative process of writing these scripts you did for So Weird? Um, well, you know, you have to go through stages of outlining, writing a premise for outlining the show and then writing the script. Um, different producers like different levels of detail probably in their outline I, I feel like john wanted a pretty detailed outline although i'm having trouble remembering that part but basically when i got to the script stage 
um, I did what I called a sandpaper draft, which was rougher than a rough draft, where I would really just write, I would convert the outline into script form and not give it any thought about whether any of it was any good, any dialogue. I would, I would blow through it in um, completely uncensored as far as like um, deliberating over a line or deliberating over direction. I would just go through it methodically, just getting it into a script form. And then basically I would just keep making passes at it and revise, you know, after the sandpaper draft, I would just start revising from page one on and go through it as many times as I needed until I was ready to send it off. And then, um, I think once I hit a home run where I, John said this was close enough to where he could take it from there. But usually you'd have, you know, you'd get notes and uh, you do another, you do another set of revisions after you got John's notes. Um, but yeah, I, that works for me because it's just basically you're, you know, it's a cliche, but you know, you're, you're chipping away at a sculpture until you get to where you're getting rid of all the stuff you don't need and until you get to where it needs to be. Um, and you, you know, you might, you struggle at certain parts and, you, you know, one page might take you half the, the entire script time or something to finish. But that's just sort of how to go. It's a, it's a process that I, that it, it became a pretty regular process for me. And would it be difficult to write the scripts for, you know, a 24 minute show? You, uh, difficult as opposed to, you mean, uh, because of the length? Yeah, the length wise, like if you had more ideas or where things cut a lot. You, yeah, usually you find yourself at the end of the day struggling to fit in uh, to the length, to, if there's, to, fit it, to fit it in, basically. Um, you might be short on your first draft, but by the end you're usually long and trimming. And, you know, may, in those days at least, uh, maybe playing with the margins to try to make things work, <laughs> uh, to make things look like they're the right length. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you get there. Uh, it's nice to have, I don't know how people do it uh, today in the, in the streaming age when they don't necessarily have uh, time limits on their shows, but it's, you know, there are times where you'd really be frustrated by, the, by having to cut, but usually it's to your benefit. That kind of ties into uh, another question from Andrea. She was asking, um, were there any scripts you wrote for So Weird that you were proud of or any scenes that ended up being cut or edited for time? Well, I can't remember what was cut. Um, which is a lesson, you know, you won't remember usually. <laughs> so it's, gonna, it's probably good enough to go. I mean, it's probably bad enough to go. Um, I mean, I remember all the scripts fondly for different reasons. Um, I don't, for example, think memory was by any stretch the best one I wrote, but I still have good, feel, good feelings about it. And uh, like I said, I really struggled with parts of second generation, but I still have great feelings about that show. But I'll, so all of them, I really do. I, I mean, I, I don't think I would have, with that show, there was never a case where I had to turn in something feeling bad about it. Okay. All right, and a more general question. Which was your favorite character on the show and why? Well, Fee, for I think obvious reasons, not to shortcut it. Uh, just a great character. And again, uh, I think in this era, probably maybe more taken for granted, but I think even so, even in this era, though, let alone back in the 90s, it was still, I think you guys would know this for sure, obviously, but, uh, you know, for a, to have a female protagonist like that in that world, I think was still um, semi-groundbreaking 
um, Buffy was brand new at that time, and Buffy was is definitively groundbreaking. So um, I wouldn't say that Fee was derivative of her, but it. So I give Fee credit for standing on her own, but she was, you know, a really dynamic, great character, I think. Um, and she. So my point with Buffy being Fee might not have been the first one to come along in that era, but she was still sort of um, an exciting thing to have in, in a, in a, in a girl. Okay. And then our last um, listener question, well, actually this is from Melissa, one of our occasional co-hosts. Um, what advice would you give to aspiring writers? Um, okay. So obviously the obvious one that you don't need me to tell you is to be writing and to be writing a lot. And for people who want to get in the TV business, absolutely. You got to be prepared for the rejection that you, that may well face you. Um, the, but I think the piece of pragmatic advice that I can give you that is also pretty fundamental, but maybe not quite as obvious is, um, net is first of all, network like there's no tomorrow. Um, and don't only don't network with, don't focus on networking with like, um, the executive producers of the world or the, network CEOs of the world, network with people that you're comfortable with, network with people your own age, network with people who have entry-level jobs, and just get to know people because they want to they wanna do things too. And it's great to have people who have the same goals in mind. And then whether you work with them in that moment or a year from now or 10 years from now, as you guys move up in this industry, they'll know if they know you, that is an immeasurable advantage to have. Um, so I can't even imagine today. It was hard enough when I was trying to get my career going, but there's so many people trying to write, um, you to be able to be more than just a name on a page is invaluable. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, I was pretty much a writer straight through. I didn't have any other skills to offer and I didn't develop any other skills, but, um, you know, in the YouTube era, if you can even write a, you know, create your own two minute video, your sh- short something, do something that puts your, you know, again, goes beyond just like what a spec script would be um, to make your presence known. Um, start your own web series, do something, you know, take take control of your career as much as you can. Don't sit by the phone waiting for something to happen. Your agent is mainly there to negotiate deals that you've pretty much found for yourself uh, at certainly at the entry level agents are not in the business of of starting careers agents are in the business of t- taking careers and uh, i don't i was going to say exploiting them but um <laughs> but uh maximizing their potential but they are not in they are not in the business of getting you off the ground floor. And one of my biggest mistakes was thinking that when I got my first agent, I had, I had two, um, ultimately, um, that, 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 that I'd solved my problems and now, now they would find me work. Um, they did get me the interview with so weird. They, so I, it, that happened, but for the most part, it's really up to you to, to, uh, to make your career happen. And so use every means you can. Um, if you're in your twenties and, uh, you don't have kids, you're not married, whatever. I tell you, that time that you have to yourself, you'll never have it again. <laughs> um, so when you have, it's, uh, 
you can use all that time. Uh, that's, that's the big advantage you'll have at, at that age. Okay. Since you write for the LA Dodgers and I'm a Mets fan, I have to ask you this question. How was your reaction to Chase at least slide that broke Ruben to hottest lot? <laughs> I thought it was valid. Uh, it was, I mean, it was not intentional, but the way the game was played at that time, it was legitimate. Um, I'm fi- I'm happy that they've made the rule to, to ban those slides. Um, I think you saw, I mean, I recall when I was writing for the Dodgers at that time, I think it was Daniel Murphy had done a very similar slide not long before. And, uh, you know, no one really said boo about that. Um, but <clears throat> if that's what it took, if it took, I'm, I'm really sorry. Was it Rivera who got, whose leg was broken? Um, uh, Ruben Tejada. Tejada. Sorry. Um, it was terrible that that happened, uh, unequivocally, but, um, I think that was the game at that time. And I'm, so it's fine that it's changed since then. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was quite a moment. Yeah, I was at the game at City Field right after it happened. It was crazy. Yeah. And it was glorious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and uh, this is uh, my last question, our last question of the Q&A. Um, is there anything you want to say to all the So Weird fans now that are going to be listening? I mean, I'm just glad you're there, honestly. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if this show means as much to the other writers as it did to me, because, um, you know, a lot of the other writers went on, like I said, to do big things. Um, but this show meant a lot to me and I was really proud to be part of it. I was genuinely proud to be part of it. Um, so I'm just glad you're out there. And I do hope that if nothing else, um, the show can be seen again and, and outside of like, you know, random YouTube searches. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big, that we every episode of this podcast we talk about bugging Disney to get so weird a digital release or an archive release or some sort of recognition from that enormous corporation that has much better things to do. Yeah, and it's not too different from what my brother's tr- been trying to do with Gargoyles. Is you know just it's I think it's they're sh- they're both two shows um, different in many ways but uh, similar in a few that have sort of somehow missed. Um, this revival wave that has swept, I think, up lesser properties. Yeah, though Gargoyles at least is available on DVD. I mean, uh, they released, it was a weird thing where they released the second, the first part of the second season, and then there was like a, yeah. several years before they released yeah. the second half as a DVD on demand title. But, um, you know, but even So Weird doesn't even have that. Like, there's not even an official release of, the, of this show at all. Yeah. Um, so let's hope. Hopefully you guys can m- get enough momentum to make it happen. Oh, boy. I think you guys are ground zero, it sounds like. <laughs> um, well, is that everything we want to say to John? Uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks for joining us. Um, thanks for joining us before also in the chat. Uh, I do love the episodes that you wrote. My favorite episode of So Weird is Strange Geometry. Even though a lot of people like Rebecca more, but I like Strange Geometry more. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I accept, I accept the different... I, I'm happy anyone likes anything I've done, honestly. <laughs> uh, I don't... I'm happy when I'm done writing it, 
but then I don't expect anyone actually to, to like, it's, it's still a whole nother step to have people respond to it. So that it's, uh, does my ego good. My ego mm-hmm. likes being done good too. So I'm glad of that. Well, you know, just looking at the uh, list of episodes you did for the show, I'm not being flattering here. I legitimately enjoy every episode of So Weird you wrote to varying degrees. <laughs> uh, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. You know, and I think we all enjoy Strange Geometry a lot. I think that's a favorite oh. of all of ours. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it, again, and, you know, again, give credit to John Cooksey. I mean, that episode doesn't become what it became without him. I just, you know, I, I did, I did what I did uh, to make it happen, but the vision for it is really, you know, up above my pay grade. All right. Well, um, I guess we'll just say, you know, thank you once again so much for coming on the podcast and talking to us. We really appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. This was fun. All right. Well, in that case, I guess that brings another episode of the So Weird podcast to its conclusion. Thank you so much for listening and keep the faith. And keep bugging Disney. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs>